So about 10 days ago, on a Thursday, uh, we celebrated the ascension of our Lord. And what that served to do was that it helped people understand and prepare that although Jesus' life in the body on this earth, as it had been for the 33 years that he walked this earth, was going to change, um, he was wanting them to understand that he would not leave them orphans or comfortless. His physical presence was going to be taken away, but they were going to be empowered um, by the Holy Spirit. And he said that they were already familiar with the Holy Spirit because he had been with them. They had seen him in the life of Christ. They had experienced it through uh, the Holy Spirit ministering through them. Um, Remember when they went out and preached and people were healed and raised from the dead. A lot of people came into the kingdom. The, The gospel was being preached through them. And so he said, he's been with you, but he's going to be in you. And he will stay with you forever. So at the ascension, we have um, in John chapter 16, verse 7. This is in the upper room. And he's been telling him that he's going to leave, but that uh, he's going to send the Holy Spirit who will be a help for, helper, a comforter, an advocate a counselor who will be with them forever. And he's warned them and told them about the persecution that's coming because of the name of Christ. And he says, starting with verse 4, I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so it was at the ascension of Christ, Paul tells us that God gave the gifts to the church, and part of that gifts involved leadership that we were celebrating this morning already. So the holy coming of the Holy Spirit was going to be a profound, radical um, bringing of closure to one aspect of the ministry of Christ. It was also a confirmation that he was who he said he was, because after he ascended into heaven, he said, when I, at the Father's right hand, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And he is proceeding from the Father uh, through the name of Christ. He is coming to you. Wait for it. That's a good word from the Lord. Uh, He's continually, he took his place at the Father's right hand. He's interceding, praying for us on our behalf. The Holy Spirit comes also as an intercessor, praying um, for us and oftentimes through us according to the will and the Spirit of God. And so that's what he's invited us to do. So in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, this is when God took of the Spirit, Holy Spirit that was in Moses, 
and gave it to the 70 elders to help him administer the gifts of God and to uh, watch over all those people that God had entrusted to them. When that happened, uh, two of the, two of the uh, 70 stayed in camp. They were supposed to come out. And the Holy Spirit, when he came, because God said, I'm going to place the Holy Spirit on all 70, the Holy Spirit came on all 70. The 68 that were outside where they were supposed to be, and the two that didn't come. Holy Spirit came upon them anyway, with the same manifestations, the same result. And um, Joshua was upset by this because they weren't doing things the way they were supposed to. And it's such a great thing that God in His mercy and grace will reach down to us even when we're not in a place of obedience. It doesn't mean that the obedience doesn't count. It means that God's grace will cover your sin and bring you to the place of obedience as well. So what God said to, to, uh, through Moses was, because Joshua was upset, he said, tell those guys to quit. He said, man, that's God's business. That's not up to me. And he is their judge, not you and I. And so he said, Moses said, I wish to God that all his children were prophets and that God would put his spirit on all of them. And that began to be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. It was prophesied by Joel in Joel chapter 2. He says, in the later days, in the last times, God will pour out his, his spirit upon all flesh, young men and old men, young men and young women, um, and they will all be his witnesses, and they shall all prophesy. So we're all called to this, longed for by Moses, prophesied by Joel, predicted by John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 3, we'll look at Luke because um, Luke is the gospel writer who also writes the book of Acts. So it's volume 1 is the gospel, volume 2 is the church. And it's the same guy talking about the same Lord and how the Holy Spirit worked in and through all of them. So in Luke chapter 3, um, verses 15 and 16, they're talking to John the Baptist. This is just prior to the baptism of Jesus himself. And they're asking him who he is because of the things he's been speaking and teaching. And they're asking him whether he is maybe the Messiah. So verse 15, chapter 3 of Luke as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ. So the people were coming to John. They were coming with expectation. They were looking to receive something. And they did. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so John is promising, predicting this. And in Acts chapter 1, just as Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, Jesus links these two things together. What John has prophesied is going to be fulfilled And Jesus is linking this directly 
to the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. So this is in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. While staying with them, this is Jesus staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And shortly after that, he ascended into heaven. And this agrees with the promise that, um, that Jesus gave. While he blessed them in Luke 24, while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into the heavens. And they worshipped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now the coming of the Holy Spirit was anticipated by Jesus. In chapters 14, 15, and 16 of the Gospel of John, you have the major teaching that Jesus gave concerning the Holy Spirit's coming. And so, this is all going to be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So it's a, a thing that we need to understand about this is we're, we're talking about it today and we're talking about it as if it were a historical event. And it was. And it did take place. And we are all here witnesses to the fact that it did take place because we are here as a result of the Holy Spirit beginning to be poured out upon all flesh on the day of Pentecost. But the point I wanted to help us understand is that this is a fulfillment of the promise of God starting way back even before the days of Moses. And the prophets are continuing that all the way to the Old Testament, all the way to the New Testament prophets like John the Baptist, uh, Jesus himself coming, dying on the cross in order to make that a reality in our hearts and lives. Because the, the Holy Spirit could not come until Christ has done his work in our hearts and lives because he's holy and there's no sin that can be in the presence of the holy God it will die, it will be destroyed, consumed and so Jesus dies on the cross and is glorified in order for the Holy Spirit to come why, are, why did you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? it's for our needs but is that the end of it? Jesus said that when we accept him, repent of our sins, that the blood of Christ cleanses us and purges us. Our sins are forgiven. We are set free. So is that the end of it? No. Jesus told them, he said, when you accept Christ, it's like being born again. Now, once the baby's born, that's not the end, is it? That's just the beginning. And when we accept Christ as our Savior, that's not the end. Okay, I'm a Christian. I can sit down and relax now. I'm free. And you are. You are free. But there is a life to be lived. And there is a maturity to be attained as we walk and live out that life which God has given us anew and afresh in Him. Your sins have been forgiven. What does that mean? So... There is a plan and a purpose for God doing that. It's because he loves us and because he cares for us that he did that. But it's just the beginning. 
Salvation is just the beginning. And it's not something that we look forward to when we die. There is that aspect to it. The fulfillment comes then. But the process begins the moment we accept Christ as our Savior. There is a transformation taking place within us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He is the enabler. The one who comes and enables us to live out this salvation in our day-by-day walk with Him. That's why He's there. That's why He's in us. To enable us, equip us to deal with whatever we face in life. And most of all, we are to be His witnesses. Because that's the main thing that the Holy Spirit does. He transforms us for the purpose of people being able to see Christ in us. That's what we're called to be from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, God created us male and female in the image and likeness of God. And that's what we are. And that's what we are supposed to be. And we are to live out what it means to be the image of Christ. That's, and the Holy Spirit comes to change us from within and enable us to live that out to the glory of God. To be His witnesses. So, the promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. The promise being fulfilled does not mean that there is no work yet to be done. And that's where we make a mistake. Isn't it? The promise is fulfilled. (laughs) We can receive it. (laughs) The promise is fulfilled. No, there's a task to be done. The promise is there and it's fulfilled for a reason. The fulfillment, the sending of the Holy Spirit is that there is a decisive fulfillment and a continuing task to be done. In Luke chapter 4, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he went back to his hometown, Nazareth, and they gave him the book of Isaiah and they asked him um, to read part of the synagogue service. If you go to a synagogue service on Friday night, they'll be the reading of the scriptures, the prayers, the songs, be very similar to what we do here. So they gave Jesus um, the scroll of Isaiah. He opens it up to chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, setting a free of captives, and on and on. He rolls up the scroll and he went and sat down. Now normally, after you read the, the scripture... There's an instruction or a teaching or an exhortation of some kind. Jesus read and he went and sat down. Everybody turned to look at him. Uh, What's next? Today, Jesus said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And his ministry began. Wasn't the end. It was the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. And he said, okay, now that that's fulfilled, now we're going. And he got up and he began to do those things. The anointing was there for service, for ministry. And he got up and he said, now's the time. It's fulfilled today. Now the ministry. And he went on from there. The first message that's recorded is uh, he picked up right where John the Baptist left off. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. And it's a fulfillment. It's, a, it's coming. And so the results, the evidence of that kingdom 
is what you see and hear and experience. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he, Peter, in his sermon, he says, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel in Joel chapter 2. And he reads that prophecy and he says, this is what's taking place. And beginning with that prophecy in Joel, he preaches Jesus Christ as Lord. Crucified, risen, ascending into heaven, and he is the one who sent the Holy Spirit. That's his message on the day of Pentecost. But he calls all those people who hears to repentance. And then he says in Acts chapter 2, we'll read this um, verses 37 through 40. So I'll back up to verse 36 so you'll get the idea of what he's saying. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Well, that's pretty direct. There's no questions about that. And they all know many of those people were there 50 days earlier because that was also an annual festival of the, of the Jews. Many of those people were there. Many of those had seen the crucifixion. And so when he says this, this is the result, and this is because the Holy Spirit has now been poured out and he is present, speaking through them. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the brothers of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What a tremendous question. It's the right question that we need to be asking ourselves. And we need to be answering that question on a personal basis. And he tells them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of the sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's the continuing process. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. It's an ongoing gift. It's a not a once-off fulfillment. And what took place on the day of Pentecost with these people coming to the Lord, that should be taking place today. And it has all throughout these centuries since then. Over 2,000 years, God has been fulfilling this promise. And he fulfills it today. So this fulfillment is not a meaning that the thing's over. It means that things are just beginning. So there are... I want us to look at uh, Acts chapter 2. This is a, a great thing. Because this is what actually took place. When the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism, what form did it take? John says, I looked and I saw the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Now this wasn't a... It was a symbol of the, of the peaceful presence because this is God the Son. The dove was for John's sake because... The Lord, if you read the Gospel of John, John says, The Lord told me 
that the one on whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, that's the one who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And John's witness is, I saw, I bear witness, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So the dove was for John's sake. When the Holy Spirit came on on uh, the day of Pentecost, was it in the form of a dove? Uh Uh-uh. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's the presence, the power, but the power is there to cleanse, to cleanse and make them, and then to be able to speak and witness through them. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. That's amazing. Now, these are different people. They've argued with each other for three years about who's greatest. There's disagreements there. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you've got a zealot there, a freedom fighter. He's one of them. Uh, you've got a tax collector. I'm, I'm sure those guys really got along. Um, you've got old fishermen. You've got the tax collector, Matthew, and he's watching Judas, who's carrying the money. And um, they know he's stealing. I'm sure they got along great. <laughs> But on the day of Pentecost, they were together in one place, in one accord. The thing that bound them together was the call of Christ on their life and their combined unified witness, Jesus rose from the dead. And they are there with that and they are there because Christ told them they needed to be there. Any differences of personalities, any clashes, all of that is set aside because of the gifts and calling and purpose and plan of God. And there is unity there. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In chapter 2, it's going to talk about languages and it's going to use two different words. Uh, This one here, the tongue, and the second one is dialect, uh, the word that we get dialect from. So he says that they were there and they heard this rushing mighty wind come. Earlier, Jesus had, in John chapter 20, in the upper room, He had breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So breath, wind, and spirit are all the same word. So the breath of God, the breath of Christ now, is coming upon them in power. And the Holy Spirit is coming. And he appeared as cloven tongues of fire, because they're going to be baptized with fire. This cleansing, purging, setting aside for holy use powering, enabling them. And so this tongues of fire came upon them and then they began to speak with tongues. These are known languages at this particular time. They did not study those languages. They did not know those languages. This was a gift of God. He came upon them with power. They began to speak in tongues. It's the same word that describes the tongues of fire. So the Holy Spirit came upon them like tongues of fire 
And then because he was now in them, he proclaimed, the Holy Spirit is proclaiming the word of God. This is why it had the effect that it did. It was God's called, anointed people, empowered, enabled by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in them, now speaking through them, that made the difference on the day of Pentecost. Same word. What they heard, the people, was the mighty acts of God proclaimed in their own native language, down to the dialect. So we have dialects in this country. Uh, talk to Susan, you know, here's somebody from Boston. You got to listen. <laughs> you have people with English is not their first language. Uh, so each one hears in their own native language, more than that, their own dialect. That's what's being proclaimed. And what they're proclaiming is the mighty works of God. So Jesus had told them consistently, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you for the purpose of being witnesses. And this is what's taking place. And that's the history of the rest of the church down to the present day. Holy Spirit comes upon us. We know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, even if we don't know who he is, we know that God is speaking to us. Oftentimes, this is part of what brings us to, to know God. Because it's the Holy Spirit working in us to prepare us to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what took place on the day of Pentecost. That's why when he spoke the word, because it was Spirit anointed, empowered, and enabling them, that's why they were pierced in the heart. It wasn't because Peter was such a great orator. It wasn't that. He often blundered. <laughs> It was because the Holy Spirit was working in him and proclaiming the word of God through him. And they were pierced to the heart. And what that piercing was, was it was the beginning of them understanding who Jesus was. And receiving and acknowledging that, confessing, repenting of their sins, being filled with the Holy Spirit to make that forgiveness a reality in their daily life. You know, sometimes as Christians, we accept the, the idea, well, yeah, because of Christ, my sins have been forgiven. And then we go through living our life as if they had not. Jesus died to set me free. Oh man, I'm free. But I go on living in the same old bondage. Well, why? We've been set free. The whole coming of the Holy Spirit is to make that freedom a reality in your everyday life. Day by day. Moment by moment. Live in the freedom. Live in the forgiveness. That's why Jesus died. That's why he came. Holy Spirit came to make that a reality. Something alive um, that meets you every single day. And so the Lord challenges us uh, to be what God has called us to be. And so that's why the Holy Spirit has come as our helper, our advocate, our counselor. What that means, comfort, one, comfort means the one, um, the one who hears us when we cry. That's literally what it means. 
And so he is there as a comfort, not to pat us on the back. Comfort there means with strength. You will receive power. What's that power about? That power is about being able to walk day by day in a consistent walk relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what that power is all about. Um, the healings and the other, other outward manifestations, those are byproducts. But the power is there, not for the show. The power is there to enable you on Monday morning to get up and walk in the presence of Christ that day. The power is there on Thursday. The power is there on Saturday night to resist the temptations and walk with the Lord in the presence of His Holy Spirit. The power is there to help us say no to the things that enslave us because we've been set free. So He's there to help us live out our salvation. And as we do that, that's when the powerful witness takes place. So as we come this morning, the key is that we are united in power to be His witnesses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as we come to our time of communion, What the Holy Spirit does is He works within us to make us aware of the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. And He, and he works within us so that as we become aware of His presence, then the Holy Spirit begins to take the blood of Christ and apply it to these different areas of our life, changing us, transforming us, so that we become like him. That's why Jesus died. That we might be sons and daughters of God in his image. And live it out. The call of God in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. Where you begin here in the Garden of Eden. But the, the call, the task upon them was fill the earth and subdue it. You start with the garden. But then you branch out from the garden to the rest of the earth, the whole thing. And you are to subdue it in the sense of helping that to know there is a God in heaven. He's created these things and we are all together to serve and glorify him. That's what he was doing on Pentecost. He started the church. Holy Spirit came upon them. You will be my witnesses and he's going to scatter them throughout the whole earth. And the call is the same. Take the freedom of the sons and daughters of God and share it with everyone that you meet. That's the call. But it begins with him changing us day by day, more and more, into his image and likeness. That's the meaning of the body and blood of Christ. This is why we remember him because it's on the basis of his shed blood, not on our efforts, not on our goodness, uh, not on what we do. It's based on the, on the merits of his shed blood that any of this is possible. And so on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it 
And he gave it to his disciples saying, Each of you, this is my body which is broken for you. Each of you, take of this. It's the bread of life. It's the bread of the presence. After supper, he took the cup. And after he had given thanks, he gave this to each of the disciples saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. It's shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he invited them each to participate in it. So this is what takes place in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. On the basis of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, in chapter 3 verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Holy Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And we, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's His work in you and in me. He is transforming us on a daily basis more and more into the image and likeness of Christ using your personality, your character, your gifts and abilities and they're all different. And so we all need each other because it's one Lord, it's one Spirit, one faith, one baptism, one Lord of all and that's what draws us together because we're very different people in this room right now. Look around. We are very different people. It's part of the creative uh, expressions of God. It's a good thing. It's a wholesome thing. It's something to be celebrated. And in the midst of all those differences that we have, our histories, our backgrounds, everything, in the midst of all of that, God is bringing us together as one people, bearing each other's burdens praying for one another, encouraging each other, lifting one another up when we fall. And this comes from the Spirit who's working within us. And so Paul continues in chapter 4, verse 5, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And remember, it was the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the deep that put that power into effect. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Christ in you, our hope of glory. And the Holy Spirit comes to make that hope a reality as we live and walk with Him every single day. So, how is the promise of God being fulfilled in you? Holy Spirit coming, um, empowering, enabling shining through so that's what shining through 
we are becoming more and more the glory of Christ increasing in us. More and more people should see Christ in each other. And that's our task as Christians. That's what we need to be praying for each other. That's what we need to do to be helping each other as we walk that road. So as we come for communion this morning, um, I'd like us to think about this. How is the promise of God being fulfilled in me? How is the Holy Spirit transforming me? What is He changing as I walk each day? And remember, we've been set free. We don't need to live in the old bondages if Christ has set us free. Holy Spirit has come to make that a reality day by day, increasing each day. So will those who are serving communion please come forward?